This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. Heard you missed us. We're back. It's the DLR Cast, the only organic, all-American, not gluten-free podcast by and for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. As always, I'm Steve. Great to be back with my good friend, the master of the Paltrow cast, Diamond Dangerous Darren Paltrowitz. Darren, what's happening, man? I know you've got a lot going on. It's been a while since we've been connected here and doing an episode, man. I'm I'm happy to see you. Likewise. Thank you and likewise and thank you and sorry. And uh, this is going to be a, a history-making podcast And that most podcasters you find, if they're taping in the evening, they're sipping a beer. Now, <laughs> I'm eating borscht my, my wife made. I figured that would be a very appropriate way of doing things i did say we are all organic and non likely non-gluten-free so uh borscht let's go for it why not yeah borscht very underrated soup (laughs) Uh, i i say that because you could eat a ton of it not feel any guilt about it um stuffs you up in a in a good way but at the same time delicious you know, I, I'm we're we're all borscht all the time when she gets around to making it. I'll eat it for two or three days and not get sick of it. But it's a lot of work. So kudos I, to Mr. Paltritz for the borscht. I I am impressed. Um, I guess it's been a while. Since, I really am. I've it's been a while since uh, we've done an episode. Of course, yeah. Uh, we have not. Uh, it's it's been as much interesting for what hasn't been happening as usual as almost as much as what has been happening i guess let's start with uh there hasn't been any new podcasts so i think that oh, latest, well well podca- podcast episodes of. via sort your podcast of. apps because <laughs> there is there has not been an actual episode of the roth show in 12 weeks so episode 13 was the last one however there has been lots of videos popping up on YouTube and Facebook and his other places. They're just not packaged as a podcast. And they're all about what, two and a half to three minutes tops. This latest one is about five. The one about the cattle. That yes. Was uh, I, I thought I was going to have an exclusive for this DLR cast based on that because spoiler alert, the last 20, 30 seconds, he starts singing along with Legend of a Cowgirl by Imani Coppola, who happens yeah. to be a Facebook friend. And Imani would not be a, a Roth Van Halen fan, for sure. <laughs> and I'm just doing that math because she was on Ipecac, which is Mike Patton's label. And she's always been on kind of the fringe and hated commercial stuff. And I think she hates Legend of a Cowgirl. There was an interview or two back in the day, you know, in late 90s early 2000s where she said first time she ever heard legend of the cowgirl on the radio she threw up literally <laughs> so i sent immediately the video to her going hey uh what do you think of this and she got back to me but uh we're gonna tape an interview in the near future cool cool well if you're listening to this podcast, the odds are extremely good. You know that that footage is not new. It's from some yeah. World Rodeo Championships that was like, <laughs> I don't know, sometime within the last six, seven years, yeah, at least. Pre-COVID. That was, yeah, exactly. Pre COVID, exactly. When he was into, you know, Dave out on the, Dave doing outdoors. Well, the video is called Outdoor Dave. So, I yeah. mean, it's more repurposing stuff. We'd seen the previous couple episodes, uh, previous couple videos posted. I want to talk about those in particular. Uh, as well as this one, but the previous couple episodes were some repurposed footage from the No Holds Barbecue. Yeah. 
which which I found hilarious because various comments in there, and I had explained to one commenter, what's this no holds barbecue I keep hearing about? Because I've commented on there, and you know we have different. You know, as we've discussed here before, it's if you're negative at all, your comment's not going to stay up on that Facebook page or YouTube comment. But I've mentioned on there once or twice said, oh, this is more no holds barbecue footage. Just leaving it at that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna come full scale on on that one and admit something that okay. I wouldn't normally admit. So a few times I was just posting stuff to see if it get taken down. The answer is yes. So on this new cowgirl one, I posted a comment. Hey, Team Dave, you still deleting all the negative comments? I saw that. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> and then some of the people were getting really angry at me calling me a troll and oh you don't know to have a good time and you you're an elitist and you're trying to and, uh, yeah that's that's me that's me no i think the point is that shame on team dave for deleting any opinion that isn't yeah dave doing great dave this is awesome dave because these are videos that are literally over 20 years old, but they're not being presented as throwback Thursday things or like, remember this classic? No, he's putting this out as stuff that, that if you're not a diehard like us, you'd go, oh, new stuff from Dave. Dave's looking really good for 69 years old. I wish I looked like that at 69. Like, no, that was him yeah. at like 45. Well, if I remember correctly too, you had a, there was someone who wanted to argue with you that it was new footage yes. from a couple of videos ago. It's like, I saw that. I'm like, no, it's not dummy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So that's what started this whole thing where my comment, I said, as proof, the guy behind the drum kit is this guy. The little person is this guy. The guitar player is no longer alive. And then Niels Lozauer in this interview talks not ab about not no longer talking to Dave and that comment got deleted and I went oh okay I see what's happening here so the moderated kind of thing because I don't know what kind of diehard fan of Dave could watch these things and go man is he up to great stuff this is fantastic well I mean, I always thought it was quirky and sometimes cool, always weird, a little bit different back when I first saw this stuff and devoured yes. it 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, again, it all he has to do to get my seal of approval, not that they want it, is just say throwback or whatever the correct verbiage is to imply that it's an old thing from the archives. If they did that, cool, great. Glad he's acknowledging no holds barbecue. But to be presenting this as fresh content is a little insulting. Right. Yeah. I mean, and without, without any sort of any, anything saying otherwise. Yeah. The, I mean, literally Bart Walsh is not with us anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> and he's in there. The drummer is literally a member of corn who has been in corn for 15 plus years. Dude. I don't think that Jimmy is still alive. Um, the two security guards in there, I believe one of them is Animal. These people don't work with Dave anymore. They don't work for Dave. There's always a chance that one of those guys could look at the video and go like, oh, did I ever sign a release on this? No. Hey, Dave, take it down. You don't have yeah. my authorization. So, you know, seeing this stuff that we've seen in recent years where they didn't exactly paper things correctly, I'm surprised they do something so careless as that. Yeah. Um. A couple things about the music. 
one a couple about a week and a half ago there was a song called love time that was posted yeah. on there with what looks like no holds barbecue footage definitely. i forgot the name of the asian guitar player oh it definitely is footage, that is but... toshihi keita there we go thank you very much survey said uh but i had never heard this song love time before i totally oh. dug it it was interspersed so i'm not i didn't check that i'm wondering if that's the band in the video playing love time is that an outtake from no holds barbecue yeah, I think so. So if okay. I'm Dave, I would go, look, you idiots, I gave you an unreleased track and it's me and the band sounding great and it's got Ray from Corn. Yeah. <laughs> no, they just posted it without context. Yeah. Time. Like, oh, there was on. a couple of voiceover bits in there, little bits and pieces, but I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm digging this song. Just like, um, what was it? A couple of weeks back, the Mojo Dojo always a, always a great place to find some yes. interesting stuff yeah. there was a cool video on there and i'm forgetting the name of it. it no 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 it was not shine a little love by elo that i of course the, i remember the shalimar song i think that was it yeah um yeah. but just again uh, got me curious um let's take a ride that was the song it was back yeah. from two months ago cool really cool tune and from what i read in the description there uh he made a couple of audio fixes to it to get it up to video, you know remix a little bits and pieces so he clearly knows what he's doing uh Dave, not dave our friends at the mojo Rocks. dojo there yeah um and the videos the the videos themselves the animation are certainly cool but i'm listening to that song i'm like this is really cool i as we know i love hearing dave take musical left turns i just want to know more about it i want to know who was on it what's it from when is it what you know, what's the inspiration behind this? Just basic details like that. I would take a Disco Dave EP, you know, or the last 10 years of outtakes put onto a compilation that's on Spotify. I right. would gladly take something like that. I would take a collection of the Van Halen re-records. Not that I love them, but why not compile them into a digital album? I would take right the john five things compiled into a collection because otherwise if you're a casual fan you would just see single 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 diamond dave in 2003 or whatever uh like way to screw up your discography as opposed to showing that you've this whole time been recording which he has been sure sure yeah and then obviously you know there's so much stuff out there we never did get the rest of the john five album right five songs and that was it okay Right. Drop, my, dropping with no rhyme, no reason behind it. My inside source had a long time ago told me there was no John five album. There was a bunch of sessions and they were rough mixed, but there is no album. Meaning like John five might have all the roughs of all the songs, but they weren't finished. They weren't ready to go. wasn't sequenced. That's what I heard. I wonder how many the, songs there actually were done, finished, you know, not maybe not finished recorded properly, but as far as finished songs. Right. Um, not eight, like more than eight. Interesting. But it, it was over the course of years. Yeah. So that's why some of the songs he sounds different vocally on the production sounds vocally because it wasn't like he went, hey, I'm going in the studio for two weeks cutting an album. It's just the Dave, I feel like recording right now. Right. And Hence then he's on retainer. I'm going over. Yeah. So 
I think it's a misfire, again, not to at least compile these into official playlists or releases or EPs that even if we don't love them and they're not his best work ever, I don't want Dave's last album to be the Diamond Dave. No, no. Instead, we have to hunt hunt around for this stuff. I loved Shine a Little Love so much. I had to rip the MP3 off of YouTube. I mean, rip an MP3 from from YouTube on some site. I mean, that's too much effort, man. Put that on Spotify, for God's sakes. And and last time I checked, which is very recently, DLR band was still off digital uh, streaming platforms. And so is a different kind of- Different kind of, yeah. (laughs) Two massive misses. Just what in the world? It's like- what 50% of his catalog is not available, but his, his make a wish song for uh, Ashley Abernathy is still on Spotify. <laughs> if, if we were doing a song of the week as a gag on this podcast, every week I would make it his Ashley Abernathy song. Yeah. That's if we ever get back to the song around that song is not on the list. <laughs> no, no. If we did a wheel to copy our friends and end the podcast will rock. Uh, Ashley. Abernathy. No. so it's just kind of a mess like that and i think that also ties into the disorganization being across the board because the sammy box set that's coming up the van halen 2 box set which what a stupid name because there was already an album called van halen 2 i I know (laughs) but there's zero unreleased material the rarities disc i don't think that the twister soundtrack album which last time i checked was platinum or multi-platinum i don't think those two songs were rare i don't think that the intro song that was on or the closer song rather that was on ou812 i don't think that's a rarity what are they doing and and also i think two or three of the songs last time i checked were from the best of the both worlds um best of both worlds grace hits comp again not rarities again something that sold over a million copies yeah i mean you're mining this there's with what's out there now, there's not much more you can do with it anymore, right? I mean, no, but when we see this, and I'll, I'm sure you'll want to talk a lot about it. When we see the Donington 1984 video that got leaked, the one uh shot of it, the one camera on it, that makes it go, Oh, so there is stuff in the archives. Well, that's a that's a great way to switch gears. Um, the Tapes Archive podcast, since we've last done an episode in over a month. Uh, put out two really interesting things. One got pulled down. One, uh, well, that Castle Donington 1984, that monster set they had in the UK, which was just, if you had a chance to watch it, folks, I thought it was mind-blowing. I thought there was some real interesting things there as far as what you saw of the chemistry or the lack thereof. I thought, I I was thinking about this, and you saw the video, and I guess if you haven't seen the video, you're not sure what we're talking about, but there is some really good pre-show footage but you know they're kind of hanging around the compound there before they go up on stage and afterwards and i can remember back in that time period i was so bummed out that van halen broke up because to me i bought the whole thing that bands were like as dave would put it a marauding band of pirates one for all all for one one for all right. and almost like the banana split show they lived in their own they all lived together in this house and everybody was happily ever after all you know and the right. idea that bands toured in separate tour buses to me i didn't even you know band members had as I mean, and that they might not even see each other before two minutes before they take in the stage didn't occur to me. But you watch right. that video and you see, okay, yeah, they've done this by this point a thousand times before. But you are pay- playing in front of a hundred. That crowd was massive. Here you are, you were at the 
pinnacle of your career. And this this doesn't take anything away from the individual performance. The band was amazing there, I thought, just killer. But there was like no interaction, man, virtually none. Off stage, even, you know, with Michael, Dave, I mean, it was just, and I, maybe someone could say, oh, well, they were going through the motions on that show. I don't think so. They were, I mean, come on, every night they were firing on all cylinders in 84, especially for that, the, at that time, the biggest album of their career. Yeah. And it was just seemed strangely disconnected. I mean, Dave was doing his own show up there. Eddie's in his own world. Maybe, lo- you know, locking in with Alex. Mike's all over the place like a rolling dervish. But I don't know. It's just compared to like that, some of those, that early footage back in the day when they were in the clubs, it was it was a really different band. And how, if they were getting along at all by that point, it didn't, it, it was just, it was like four separate people. That backstage footage to me was very telling. I, I like to watch that kind of stuff. When I saw a couple of weeks ago, Stained and Godsmack, yes, they were comp tickets. Although, hey, kudos, they're all Van Halen fans. Right on. Uh, but the members of Stained did not look at each other during the show. They didn't come anywhere close to each other. They didn't talk to the audience. And so one of the crew members who had actually worked for Roth back way back when I thought we were going to interview him for the show, but apparently I insulted him because he's like, Hey, what do you think of stained? And I went, they sounded great, but they didn't look at each other at all. And he did not respond to my next text, which which maybe I burned that bridge. But But I think that it's very telling that when the band can't even put on the show or the illusion that they like each other for the one hour on stage with all the adrenaline going. Yeah, there was very, I mean, listen, I get it. There was a ton of hangers on at this back, you know, in the backstage area. There's people all over the place. And like I said, I know now what I didn't know back then. Had I seen that footage back then, I would have been like in near tears because like, you mean they don't do a big huddle and put all their hands in right before the show and go, Van Halen, you know what I mean? It's like, but- yeah, but when they were on stage, you to me, you kind of saw that it was amazing. I'm not saying anything about from what that show I saw. This, I mean, they were on fire, but it yeah. was like watching two different bands. You know, Dave doing his thing, and it, it was just you. You know what I'm talking about here. I'm the same way. I watch. I love to see bands. I want to see that interplay. I love to see bands working i want to see that bass player look over to the drummer when that fill is maybe just a little bit different and go fuck yeah that was cool you know what i mean i totally agreed and i think that if you're going to call two disappointments to this video one is that and the other two is how many solo spots there are you know yeah yeah a solo oof um yeah, yeah, sure. I guess we want to see an Eddie solo, I guess. And I guess we want to see an Alex solo. But it's not like they were doing a 90 to 120 minute set. They're doing about 60. And to eat up like 15, 20 minutes of it with uh, everybody showing off their little individual talents. And in that same time, we could have gotten another couple of songs. Yeah, easily. And Lord knows the the band certainly had the catalog to go deep, right? I think yeah. six albums in at that point. Um, what was super interesting, of course, is that you can't find that video now. It got pulled down. Uh, you, you could find it on Darren Paltrowitz's Google Drive, if you ask. Very <laughs> because I knew this is coming down really quick. Yeah. I learned my lesson when there were all those KISS leaks. And yes. there, there was the KISS leak that was three, four weeks ago that had Gene Simmons' acting reel on it. And I didn't download it. Oh, I didn't here. see that. His acting reel. I, I watched like 15 seconds of it. 
And I was like, oh, I got to save for this. I got to wait for the right time. <laughs> and I didn't pull it down. So I, I saw this Donington thing. I went, I am immediately downloading this as an MP4, putting on the Google Drive. So uh, if you ask nicely, I didn't know that it was illegal to download bootlegged video and put it on my public share drive. I did not know that <laughs> at all, right? You didn't know that either, right? No, no. <laughs> you asked me to share it with you. I didn't, we didn't know that, right? We did not know that, not at all. Um, <laughs> what is still up there, surprisingly, is this no whole, this, this wide ranging, very lengthy 1988 interview with Dave, where he yeah. literally says, is this off the record? Let's go off the record. It stayed on the tape with him just really tearing apart, I guess, the Van Halen brothers yeah. and efforts of sobriety. Um, and you know, the video, I do the, the video, the interview, I liked a lot of it. There was a, a lot of parts where I have to, have to remember that it was very cliched. I mean, you know, the benevolent dictator, that's who he was. Uh, there was a, looking back, there's some, some of the things were kind of hypocritical, but it was Dave being Dave. You I of the things now i loved parts of it but the part where he's like taking aim at huey lewis for being a puppet yeah because diamond dave enterprises is all about him calling all the shots because you know huey needs a producer and you're like uh where would you be without ted templeman buddy yeah exactly yeah uh but it was you know it was it just Compared to the interviews of today and the interviews that followed after yeah. that that yeah. time period, it was kind of a bit more personal than what I remember so many interviews to be. It seemed a little bit yeah. more in depth, a little bit more, a, a little uh, bit more, a little more out of character. I guess, yeah, yeah, a little less Diamond Dave who laughs at every single thing he says, yes. whether or not he said it a thousand times or <laughs> it just came to him. And it was the man behind the mask, like 70% of the way. Right. It wasn't right. Henry Roth we, we know exists. No. <laughs> yeah, so the Tapes Archive gave us that. Didn't the Tapes Archive just give us like a 1988 without Van Halen without Dave interview also? Well, there's an Alex Van Halen interview up there, which... Yeah. It's cool because there's so few Alex Van Halen interviews the last 20 years or so. I think yeah. that was from around OU812. Then there's an interview with Michael and Eddie. Which yeah. I've not had a chance to listen to, but I saw that on his list of videos. So um, there's some really cool stuff this guy keeps putting up there. And it's super informative, I think, for the Van Halen fans. Because, you know, you forget the fact, because they didn't do this for a different kind of truth, didn't do any press at all. But you forget the fact, especially with the Hagar era, that they were all out doing rock radio interviews and stuff like the King Biscuit Flower Hour, whatever it was. You know, they yeah. were doing those circuits back then um, to promote records. They totally were doing all that, hence the great lip sync Italian TV and the, the one with the dinosaur in the park. And yes. <laughs> Japanese TV. I, I think somebody recently re-earthed like a 1978 Japan TV one where I guess they lip sync two or three songs in a quick interview, you know, that doesn't go beyond the surface. But you're right. They did do the same circuit as everybody else. And then at a certain point, they cut off that circuit. Because I remember the American Bandstand, of course. Yeah. I was just thinking, I think they probably cut that all off for, ver for at least... I think they cut that all off for very good reasons around the 
Van Halen three record. Cause if you remember, that's where Eddie was really kind of going spaceship Eddie. There was talk about his therapy and his therapist taught him all this stuff. And, and I'm not knocking at all. I'm just saying it was some pretty out there stuff and you know, how talking a lot about Van Halen three, the, the interviews were pretty disjointed around then for good reasons. And so uh, after that, the interviews with Eddie from, Oh, before 98, 98, back. 98 on are very, very rare. Before all that, the 96 MTV VMAs, the the next time I see Dave, he better be wearing a cup. I yes. think that was the beginning of the end for Van Halen interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and I'm sure, you know, that kind of I'm sure if Eddie's not doing interviews, well, Alex isn't and or gary or i mean you know and or and michael you know what i mean um, that was i think a band-wide edict around at that point and then i just think it was part of an amazingly good publicity strategy around a different kind of truth to basically do I, i'm sorry the reunion tour and a different kind of truth to basically do virtually no publicity i it mean was, it was a really weird mixture because offhand i remember a cnn interview that eddie did but it wasn't an hour-long thing it was more like a 10 15 minute afternoon time slot kind of thing at the desk i remember that i remember one of the last things before he died was golf dog i'm sorry golf digest or golf yeah scene i think that was the one where he said something like hold on gotta go there's a raccoon in my yard or something <laughs> do you remember that part yeah i vaguely yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, there, there I was, was a couple of interviews at the end but the publications that they chose always perplexed me. They always confused me because Al, uh, Eddie's second wife was a publicist. Yeah. Well, that was her day job. She was a publicist. So I don't know how they didn't feel like they could control the whole thing with a publicist for a wife there. Well, it was always surprising, too, that somebody who loved publicity like Dave virtually didn't do any. I just yeah. think I, I think that was more of a band. I mean. There was some legal stuff. I, I just think that was a blanket strategy. And I think if you broke it, you were in trouble. You know, I mean, if Dave was all of a sudden to show up doing an interview, a bunch of interviews completely off the cuff without Irving's blessing, that could have been really big trouble for the reunion or a different kind of truth. I mean, I remember a different kind of truth. I think Eddie did what? One guitar player, a Guitar World magazine, big interview. And I think Wolfgang was with him. I'm not sure. But, you know. There was certainly no interviews with all of them together. God, that hadn't happened in 30 years, you know? That's probably um, what the downtown sessions thing was. That's what, exactly. That's a really good point. That was kind of the replacement for that, perhaps. That was, you know, the, the here's here's our media kit. Here's, here's, uh, here's our interviews. Which makes you think, did the Roth show and that kind of stuff happen because Dave felt harnessed that he couldn't talk and he physically needed to get words out of him and his opinion out of it. And that's what all this was because he wasn't allowed to do press through Van Halen. That's a new improvised theory, by the well, way. Well, you know, what's interesting about that. I remember, and there are a lot of them are gone now, but the initial, the very first Roth show, I was like, whoa. I mean, I think we were all surprised as fans going, this, there's some really deep stuff here. And the videos were really, I mean, there was all original content. It wasn't stuff recycled from pre Van Halen reunion, whatever. And then also at that time on the website, there was some amazing photos there from the tour, mm -hmm. which some, some behind the scenes stuff. There was some really great stuff there. And 
most of them I think disappeared. You got to dig into the website a lot, but they're not. I, I it's been a while since I've been on Dave's website because, well, why would you go by there? But I hate to say the <laughs> same with vanhalen.com. But I can remember there was a time I was around 2000, late 2007 through 2010 or so, somewhere around there before a different kind of truth. I was on that website a lot because there was always something cool going. There was new photos, a new photo gallery, the yep. Roth show. Um, there was some good, original, new, relatable, timely content going up there. And for somebody who's consuming books and media all day long, how hard would it be for Dave to put up a photo of an album or a book that he likes and go, this is the Roth pick of the week. Oh, the Roth, I, the, the David Lee Roth book club. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So we're talking about somebody would, would uh, to use the Peter Griffin phrase, what really grinds my gears is, you know, that whether or not he's documenting it publicly, that he's endlessly doing stuff. He's not just sitting in bed. So that's also a lost opportunity unto itself. If he doesn't want to do interviews, there is stuff that he could do with all this world traveling stuff. And what he was doing in the era of the Roth show was when he's giving you history lessons and you see him walking around with the dog and you see him with the sword play and the tattoos and the guitar lessons and uh, going to the sumo, as you called that before, the bull riding or the whatever. What is that sport called? Is it called bull riding? Rodeo, professional bull riding. Rodeo, yeah, yeah, yeah. PBR, whatever it is. PB, yeah. So there's all these interests. There's all this footage. And here we are in the same exact place going, we don't know if there's going to be a new Dave track tomorrow, two weeks, two months, or never. Always a mystery. And, and you wouldn't go to David Lee Roth to find any of that either. No, not. A, no. <laughs> You'd wait for a, a YouTube alert a Facebook or an Instagram thing at the top of your feed. To right. Pop. And that's, or, that's it. Or you texting me with, did you see this WTF? <laughs> oh, and, and the last few of them, my wife, she would just be like looking at her phone during the work day and she'd go, she'd come out of the, her office and go, Hey, new Roth thing. <laughs> so uh, I think her feed is also kind of poisoned, but yeah, I derailed us from the tapes archive, which, Alan Berry's documentary series. Come on. Incredible work. It's yeah. such a wonder why Alex Van Halen and Rhino would not want that out there. I thought it was just totally flattering content that paid so much respect to Van Halen. Yeah. And again, if somebody not to denigrate, but if 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 this is made, how great was that stuff for something, quote unquote, unofficial? Imagine what the real official stuff could be with big budgets and access to everything. Boggles yeah. your mind. All they would, in my opinion, all they would have to do to make it official is anytime there's a fact presented, they would have somebody from Van Halen watch it and give a thumbs up or a thumbs down icon as to whether or not they remember it as being true that appears in the corner. <laughs> That's all yeah. they have to do. You just exactly. <laughs> you can even be a little animated emoji, you know, VH, and then with a thumb. You know? I, I would have taken that from my book if if uh, I gave Dave the manuscript and he would have circled everything that was wrong, so that image wise it appeared as a circle. It would be totally fine if he didn't correct what it was, but if he just said this is wrong from how I re remember it, perfect. 
So I would love to hear what it is that we're all wrong about with Van Halen, why it is that the archives aren't. We hear from Wolfie like, well, they're so dysfunctional. That's what the yeah. problem with Van Halen is. Why? Are right. Well, and and I mean, we hear from we hear from Wolfie when, you know, he's asked questions about it. Um, and listen, why would he want to talk about it this much anymore? I mean, you know, he's got his own thing going on and it's. You know, with every passing day, it's a bit further in his rearview mirror, right? And I'm sure that's kind of tough to talk about too. The guy, you know, I mean, misses dad terribly. I mean, you know, and and plus, if you're him, you get caught up in this stuff more. That's all anybody's clamoring for then. And he's got his own career to do. If he'd ever mentioned, listen, I would not be surprised, but I also wouldn't necessarily be that disappointed if he never talked. You know, if if, if you know, he never writes a book, let's say, about, you know right. what I mean? It's like the guy's got to live his own life, for God's sakes, you know? But I'd love to hear, I'd love to have another book from Dave that's very specific to that. I'd love to have a book from Alex. You know, we got the book from Sam, which is great. I'd love to have the book from Michael or something, you know, more yeah. looks inside, basically, right? A little bit more background and, and just the, all, all the stuff we don't know, we speculate on that increasingly... Yeah in an era where there's more transparency than ever before, we just ain't seeing this shit. Yeah. The, or hearing it. When we talk about the takedown request that supposedly came from Alex by way of Rhino for Alan's series there, that's not the only thing. There's a Van Halen Facebook group that I follow that's just photos that go up every day. And it's a lot of stuff you've never seen before. And somebody posted a random photo. I don't remember if it was a red carpet or a party, but it was Alex with his wife. And somehow they got word, please take that down. So it's like they, they know everything that's going on and they're just going, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I listen, I understand from a financial perspective, for financial standpoint, Rhino Records is like, we're not making money off of this. Take this shit down, you know? But okay, but well then do it then. But they are making money from it. See, they are making money from it because it's going to remind people, oh yeah, that was cool. I'm going to buy right. blank. Yeah. You know, in a, not yeah, no, in, in a, it's directly the for sale items. Sometimes it's what leads you to the for sale items ex- to, the, to the back catalog. Exactly. Yeah. From a holistic standpoint, I mean, any exposure is going to be good exposure at this point, right? I mean, get people hungry for this stuff again and they're going to stream it more on spotify or wherever yeah so we were talking about on the uh was it the last episode i don't know a couple episodes ago about how the bear the really cool show on yes the fx show the bear yes make a reference to van halen in the script that i don't want to super spoil in this latest season and then cobra kai in the latest season had the whole song unchained except for the give me a break dave part that was taken out but what was the other thing that oh yeah the show on the cw which was one of the biggest canadian shows it's already had three seasons out in canada here it's on its first season it's called son of a critch and there's a van halen reference in the script of that first episode and it's related to the kids Walkman and his cassette tape. I'm not spoiling plot if anyone's going to watch it. Sure. But then you hear the music that he's listening to is Poison, Talk Dirty to Me. And I'm thinking, come on. They clearly wanted to use Van Halen right. and clearly right. got turned down for that. Meanwhile, in the put my head, put my head down on my desk moment, uh, there's an Applebee's commercial with a Van Halen song. 
and that same Applebee's commercial song is still in the video game Rocket League, which is uh, popular amongst the youths and Mrs. Paltrow. It's both. And, <laughs> and so what I'm getting at is you really do have all the touchstones to make Van Halen popular amongst the youth. Make it part of the zeitgeist game because there has been so many 80s stuff. I mean, look at Stranger Things. I mean, there's yeah. been so much of this stuff that they could be a bigger part of and do enough on their own to keep that in the spotlight there. You know, I mean, they never really did have a, um, a you know, the final tour. I mean, the final tour, people nobody knew right i mean there was never they knew but do you know what i mean there's never you know there's 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 there was never an end of the road tour there was i mean there can't be but i'm what i'm saying is there was you know for so many people there wasn't that necessarily career defining closure i guess and then you know on the merchandising end i decided hey i need some more rock t-shirts and i saw a coupon for hot topic and say what you want about hot topic they get better hard rock and metal merchandise than just about any vendor that you'll find online. It's all licensed. So the band is getting paid and then it actually goes on sale. I think Joan Jett, I'm not kidding you. I think she has 15 different shirts online and hot topic right now. And Van Halen has zero. Yeah. It's just how, how is that possible? Now, Joan Jett is great and all, even right. though three of her big hits were covers uh, Joan Jett's great and all, but how does she have 15 shirts and Van Halen has zero? Well, figure it this way. I don't remember if Van Halen was ever a part of it, but what? I'm trying to think. 10, 15 years ago, maybe they still sell them, but remember about 10 or 15 years ago, you were seeing ACDC and Kiss yeah. logo shirts in Target. Yeah, the, the ACDC and, shirt and I applauded right that. now is from Old Navy. You are correct. And I applauded that. God bless. You know what? I don't consider that a sellout at all. I consider anything in this day and age to cut through all the noise because nobody younger is discovering anything new on radio because anybody under the age of 40 ain't listening to radio. I, I agree. In New York, we lost our big rock station about six months ago for it to become a FM talk show radio. K-Rock 92.3 became talk radio. God, that's just uh, so sad. Right before that, it was Alt 92.3, which is probably its sixth format change in about 20 years. Right. Uh, New York doesn't have a modern rock station. Way out eastern Long Island, we have 94.3 The Shark, which is kind of like your alternative 90s meets active rock. Right. I guess they would play Van Halen on it a little bit. Classic Rock Radio plays it, but... If you're Wolfie, I don't know which station you'd get played at in the played on in the metro New York area. It, that's it's crazy when you think of it. I mean, the fact that people aren't hearing that stuff on the radio. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, so much of stuff just exasperates me, really puzzles me and exasperates me. Yeah. So we go, OK, so Van Halen's not keeping up, nor Dave is keep, keeping up the social media or the website. There's no new merch. The box set doesn't have unreleased stuff. They're not embracing the usages in the bear, Cobra Kai, all these cool current social things. And then meanwhile, you look at Def Leppard, which is active because, yes, everybody's still alive. Right. But I see so many young people, and I say young people, meaning under 20, wearing Def Leppard shirts. Mm -hmm. Def Leppard sure. ACDC shirts, Motley Crue shirts everywhere 
Metallica shirts. And you don't want to judge, but you look at these people and you go, you really could not name one Metallica song besides Master Puppets and uh, and Enter Santa. Right. But you like the shirt. Van Halen could be worn by all those it, people. You bring up a good point because all of those bands have seemed to have such a resurgence because the people who are all those fans, and I'm in that demographic, now have kids, right? And, and sure, those bands are active, but as far as kind of like, as far as... um visibility kind of in the overall zeitgeist those bands are out there you know they're they're actively you know even if they weren't active in touring they would have they had they have active social media going on that's more than just fan stuff they're they're more visible i think than van halen is i mean do you know what i'm saying sometimes i feel like the only people waving the flags for this stuff is podcasters for god's sakes I'm not I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but when or or the Van Halen news desk or if you're very insulated and you're in it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're the average rock fan, you're say you're 25 years old. You don't have a rock station in your town or maybe you don't even listen to it. You're probably more aware of what's going on with stuff that had a big resurgence. Metallica, Def yeah. Leppard, certainly bands like, um, you know, newer, newer bands. Um, you know, Greta Van Fleet or Woken, but yeah. when you put all those bands that have had a huge resurgence from the 80s, is Van Halen among them as far as kind of top of mind? I don't think they are, which is a shame because they were bigger than every single one of them. I would think that there was a lot of opportunities given to them that they said no to. The interview that I did with Alex Winter, where he mentioned that Bill and Ted 3 was supposed to have finally have an Eddie cameo, but he was too sick and Dave Grohl replaced him. That means that Eddie turned down the cameo in Bill and Ted 1 and Bill and Ted 2. Yeah. So you have to wonder with that kind of thing. I think that they did turn down something related to Back to the Future. You know how the when Michael J. Fox's character has the cassette tape and it says E. Van Halen and people going, that's not Van Halen, but we now know it's an outtake from the wildlife. Right. And it was kind of under the radar, so maybe Diamond Dave didn't know about it. But I would have to wonder how many things were actually turned down over the years that actually would have kept the money coming in with them having to do nothing as a result of all that. Could have been a lot more mailbox money, right? Hey, look, they don't need it. It's just... Why wouldn't you want to keep your career alive? Right. But it also keeps you in front of new and current and possibly future rock fans. Absolutely. So, you know, every episode that goes by is another, oh, these guys. But so the Sammy box set, I just, it leaves me really dumbfounded because why would you buy that except if you're a completist? Like if you're 25 years old, I can't imagine going, man, you know what? I'd love to spend $200 on. Isn't it $200 or something like that? I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. I think if, if you have a brain, you would go, oh, well, you know what? I could just listen to the remasters on Spotify and that's that. And now the Van Halen camp can go like, well, uh, Hey, we put out something new for the fans. No, you didn't. And at the same time, that's more than official releases that we've gotten from Dave in the recent past. Because for a while, it was like every other week or every two, three weeks, there was a new John 5 track. Right. So 
for a while it looked like between that and the Van Halen re-records, we were going to get something. But the buzz I'm still hearing from people is he's retired from this. But what he's actually doing now, I have no idea. Yeah, then that leads me to believe, I mean, who's pulling the strings on this stuff? On the Dave stuff or the Van Halen stuff? The Dave stuff. Dave is. Uh, there is the manager slash accountant slash right. assistant slash den mother, Jerry. <laughs> uh, there's other people who work around him but that's it it's what i've heard from reliable people is what does dave feel like doing right now he does it and that's that but some of those dance videos are just old things i'm wondering if the just like paradise thing where he's hugging the the squirrel statue i'm wondering if that is new that That looked newer i was wondering about that it felt it looked a bit newer that looks newer but some of the dance videos the person told me were conceptualized a long time. The cane thing where he falls down, that was conceptualized a long time before it came out. I don't yeah. know when it was filmed, but it was conceptualized a long time. Then again, full circle, the No Holds Barbecue things being re-released 20-something years later. Okay. Yeah. But then he puts out Love Time, and there's no fanfare. It doesn't go to Spotify. No. And same with uh, those previous covers, too. So let's switch gears from in here and let's talk quickly about your awesome show, the Paltrow cast of which there's always oh, great stuff there. No, 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 no. No, we have to. No, let's instead talk about something that I was meaning to discuss with you. Alan Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. uh, All right, my, we'll my, get back to the Paltrow cast in a minute, but okay. Cause I want to ask Alan you about, a new, I want to ask you about a new interview you have there, but Alan Fitzgerald, Night Ranger, a Night Ranger keyboardist during the when the, in their biggest heyday. Yeah, this is one of my big new Dave mysteries to try and figure out. If you look at Wikipedia, it credits Alan Fitzgerald as being a keyboard tech or an offstage keyboardist for Van Halen in the Van Hagar years, the and the first and second reunion tour with Dave, not the 2015 final one, but 2007, 2012. So the first thing I'm trying to figure out is that true. The second thing is, is he singing backing vocals? Because Sammy claimed that Michael's backing vocals were piped in, which I still don't believe. It doesn't sound like it. I don't know where that came from. But Alan Fitzgerald can sing. He was in Montrose before being in Sammy's solo band. And he's worked steadily, but just... He was in Night Ranger and... Yeah, he's always been a quiet in the back kind of guy. So yeah. why has there never been one interview with Alan Fitzgerald, who may have worked longer with Van Halen than anybody, <laughs> including Dave? Think about that. If he was there from 86 or 88, on and off until 2012, the dude was at more Van Halen shows than just about anybody with the last name Van Halen aside. Well, if any, in the event that anybody would possibly ever figure that out, I bet you there's an NDA. Not just an NDA, but after Eddie passed, wouldn't there have been a tribute or something like that? Or is that not even allowed under an NDA? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so he would have worked under both Roth and Hagar, just like Jesse Harms. So two keyboardists have worked with both Roth and Hagar. So crazy. Yeah, so I derailed you. What were you talking about with the Paltrow Well, I won. Well, I, I was going to commend you because you've been kicking ass with the Paltrow cast. There's great oh. stuff there. But I did see an, a, a recent, very new interview. 
uh, I saw it pop up my feet. I haven't had a chance to look at it uh, yet, but Eric Sardinius. Oh, I, you know who he is? Of course I know who he is. Gr- guitarist or Eric Sardinius, the guy who should be far bigger than uh, his career so far. Uh, uh, he, the guy, he's amazing. And um, But I forgot he played with Dave for a minute. I don't think he played with or Dave. Or not played with Dave. To- opening act. Opening act, yes. But he was on Vi's label. Yes. And his drummer as of late is Chris Frazier, who was Dave's drummer before Bissonette joined. Nobody really has gotten the story as to why Chris Frazier was fired from the DLR band in the mid 80s. But Steve Vai's always worked with him in the years since. So, you know, if you go, if he's good enough for Vi, this must have been a Dave going, oh, he's not pretty enough or, oh, he doesn't twirl his drumsticks enough uh, while doing a swing. See, I, I did not know the story about Greg, uh, about Chris Frazier, but this, but Bissonette always always uh made sense to me because dave always liked that swing that's bisonette's background maynard ferguson i mean he had yeah. definitely i mean bisonette's got amazing chops i mean so he could have handled of any of that stuff thrown at him and obviously that band was success was huge and fantastic sounding yeah so when everybody talks about the original dave band originally chris frazier on drums billy on bass of course i think i think that's his social media handle billy sheen's billy on bass but uh, before Steve I was supposed to be Steve Stevens. So <laughs> I did hear that rumor a bit. There's there's a list of guitar players, a mental list of guitar players I've had in my head for a while that I would always love I would love to have heard Dave collaborate with. And Steve Stevens is right up there um among the in the top five. Well thankfully they did collaborate at that Home Depot corporate gig earlier this year. Well yes I'm yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> so you got your dream collaboration. Th- thanks for thanks for bringing that bad memory back to me. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I spoke with Eric and I actually had not made the Dave connection right away until he said a Dave thing. I think that all came up. I have to re-listen to the interview, but I think it's because he mentioned Josh Smith and Josh Smith, who's Joe Bonamassa's co-lead guitarist. I, I found out accidentally that he was offered a gig in Dave's band and turned it down. It was something wow. like he wasn't available or he didn't like the terms, but he won't talk about it. And Josh Smith comes up in so many interviews that I, I do. So I interviewed, I think, Eric at 1 p.m. And then 1.30 p.m. I interviewed Larry Goldings and Ryan from Scary Pockets. And they mentioned Josh Smith. So two interviews in an hour, people organically mentioned Josh Smith. <laughs> Were you just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So then I asked Larry Goldings, who's James Taylor's keyboardist for 20 plus years, if he'd take the Dave gig if it ever came through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't mean to work Dave into every interview, but it just kind of happens. Right. So now I remember it's because he mentioned Josh. So I asked Eric, did the Dave gig ever come to you? And he said something along the lines of, Oh, touring with him. Oh, the stories. No, I wouldn't do that. It's something along those lines. But could he play every single Dave song easily? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Before we finish up here, let's remind folks that we are a little bit closer to the release of DLR book, How David Lee Roth Changed the World. Your book coming out in January that you can pre-order everywhere now. We'll put links in the show notes, amazon.com, bookshop.org, barnesandnoble.com, you name it. 
let's uh for sure we'll, we will have the exclusive darren paucho interview all about the book on publication week we have to do it um it's, it looks like a, i know you've told me a lot about it but it just it, it if I didn't already know about, it, I would say just looking at the description, I would be I would be pre-ordering this thing now. And I'm not saying that just to say it because it's Thank it you, looks man. very cool and it looks like a book that is much needed out there as far as uh, uh, for fans. I think. Thank you. I mean, not even if you listen to every single episode of the show and remember everything we say verbatim, there's stuff in this book that uh, people told me, "Hey, don't put this on the podcast. Only put this in the book." And some of that were my conversations with Doug Short who tragically passed a couple of weeks ago. He he was the number five that Brian Young talked about, the sound guy. And oh, right. Dave. And he said, hey, don't know podcast. Run it, by, transcribe it and run it by me. And a lot of the time it would be, I'd hear a crazy rumor about Dave. I go, hey, Doug, is, is this true? And he'd go, yeah. Or he'd go, no. Whoever told you that is an idiot. Because... Um, you know, people tell you, oh, Dave always goes to the Philippines because he likes this, this and this. And I go, is that true? And they go, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you've got you've got some great interviews in here. Uh, like you. you mentioned, some that did not make the podcast, but some great folks talked to here. And we should mention introduction by uh, WWE superstar, Hall of Fame inductee, Diamond Dallas Page, which is one of those guys. You know, there's superstar Billy Graham. Jesse the Body Venture, Diamond Dallas Page, where you can go, yeah, okay. There's, there's, you, you get the Dave influence or vice versa, right? I mean, there's, sure. Do you get that? You get where that wrestling, big rock connection intersect. And I have a story in there that Dallas, we're we're on a first name basis. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I, there's a story about the night that he met Dave before he was famous in 84, 85, somewhere around there. That's actually a favorable, positive story. And the book, despite my criticisms that I have on this podcast, it is a mostly entirely positive book. It's just kind, kind of chronicling my journey of there's what Dave said about this when it happened. There's what Dave said about it 20 years ago. There's what the person who is also in the room remembers about it. And it's usually three totally different things. And so <laughs> it's, it was such a struggle to write the book in that sense, because, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a different kind of truth exists in in that world. There's a reason why that album has that title. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, January 1st is still the release date, figuring out when, if and when we're going to take it on tour. But uh, bottom line is more interviews to come on the DLR cast and Thank you to anybody who survived 50-ish minutes of this banter. <laughs> thanks. For, as always, thanks for sticking with us, folks. We had our summer, hi our summer hiatus, but we are back. We are back. And thank you, Steve, as well, for keeping it going. Take care. <laughs>